You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube, and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Online Podcast. I'm your host, Chris O'Brien, the nostalgic young bachelor of Podmania, and I'm joined by Rob. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Not bad. Like, you being here stopped being a surprise. For the yeah. last two you've been here, it's all been like, oh, Rob's here, and I'm going to reveal it by making him laugh, but now it's just of this Rob's here. He's part of the furniture now. It's going smooth. It's going very, very smoothly. Um, it is going smoothly. I, I appreciated the transition and the fact that the intro only took you one take. I was very impressed with that. I know, I'm a one-take wonder. I can, I understand that, I understand that. Today on the agenda, we have Wrestle Kingdom 9, my favourite New Japan show of all time. My first New Japan show, so that's probably why it's my favourite. Um, but also we have news to talk about, several news things, which I put Rob in charge of, because do I look like a professional? So Rob, the news. Yeah, just a couple of bits of New Japan news, really. Um, I'm going to start with... The possibly the oldest piece of news on here, to be honest. Um, the Tokyo Sports Awards. Um, mm. And I just wanted to quickly run through some winners and some interesting things. So, to start with, Tokyo Sports announced that their MVP of 2018 is Hiroshi Tanahashi, winning the award mm. for the first time in four years. Do you agree with that? And do are, I, are you do surprised I? that Kenny Omega is third? Third? Who's second? Uh, Okada. Okada, right. Um, Tanahashi's had a surprisingly amazing year. I did not see him having the amazing year he did. He had a pretty so-so run as the IC champion. Oh, um, I'm sorry. He... No, it wasn't Okada. I think it was Hiromu. Oh. Sorry, oh no, it was but... Hiromu. They talked about that actually in the um in the tag match, um where that was more sort of a show of gratitude, seeing how he's injured. Yeah. But um he's had a surprising year, and I think how surprisingly good it's been mm-hmm. has re- he was the MVP of the A block other than Jay White because Okada just sort of went fucking mental. Um and he's had well so many great matches like Abushi um. Three great Okada matches, two of which broke Dave Meltzer's five-star ratings. Yep. Um, just so much great stuff this year. Um, I don't disagree with him winning. If I'm surprised, no, not really. It's pretty... Having that big name on there sort of helps. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you're going to find someone... I think you're going to find it hard-pressed to find someone who has been as consistently outstanding um, as Tanahashi's been this year. Um, I think Omega's problem really has been he's had a fairly lacklustre reign as champion. Um, I don't think it's been as... I don't think it's been as exciting as people were hoping. People were hoping it would be a six-star match every show, which isn't going to happen. He's not a a robot. But the thing is, um, he had had the best G1 of anyone. I don't think anyone's disputing that. Um, in terms of pure match quality. No, absolutely not. But the problem is, his child defences. He was against Cody, who I believe I gave a match 9 out of 10. I really enjoyed the match. It was somewhat different in the context of New Japan, but it's never going to be 
match of the year, and then it was on a destruction. It was on the first destruction show, not even the um, one to finish up the tour, which I think might have annoyed him a bit because Tanahashi and Okada headlined that tour. Whereas he put he was put up against Ishii, who while amazing is a mid carder in the context of New Japan, and while he certainly has the talent to be a main eventer, he is seen as a mid carder. And then it's just I think and then this feud with Tanahashi has sort of been a bit iffy, and we touched on that last week. So I don't really think it's his fault. It's his reign has been so lackluster because as you see, when he's being allowed to fly free in the G1. He's having some of the best matches, not just of the year but all time. So I don't really think it's his fault. Like, And even before that, he was stuck in some weird... He was in like a weird limbo at the beginning of the year where no one really knew what Bullet Club was. So he's had a bit of an icky year, unfortunately. But I think next year, um, if he is running free and not going to end up not doing anything for months while All Elite Wrestling gets set up, it could be a great year for him. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of best bouts and, you know, the the absolutely star-studded matches that he has put on when he has been allowed to cut loose, as you say, um, he has won the best bout award for... I, I'm, I don't think I'd have many people disagreeing when I say that the best match ever between him and Kazuchika Okada at Dominion. Absolutely. Um, I gave that match. I was I was considering giving that match eleven out of ten, but I just it I my brain can't take it. Uh, <laughs> that is definitely my match of the year. I've been seeing a lot of pushback against Akada, um, Omega matches recently, really? but it's more just yeah. But the thing is, it's not been much substance to the argument. It's just people. It's weird. People find it hard to believe that we just experienced the best match. Um, some of the best matches of all time in the past two years. Hmm. So we sort of just push back and going, well, no, or actually just name like Kabashi Misawa or even like people, I saw people saying Dunn and Bait was better and wow, it's amazing, it's not better. So I don't know, but I feel it's just pushback because everything naturally has pushback. People want to feel like they're on the other side because like on an objective level, there's no botches in any of these matches apart from that one in the first match where a card lands on his head. But seeing how it was okay, it really added to the drama of the match. It's, but in this one, it was just the sheer endurance and the pace they kept up throughout the whole fucking thing. It can't be anything but the match of the year. No, I, I completely agree with you. Having seen this match, you know, there's there's nothing to top it. And I understand, you know, Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne was a great match. But, no, it's not a... a, a, a I'm, I'm lost for words. It's not even a... I know. It's not what a match me... on this because what? this had the drama that Bate and Dunne, in my opinion, did not have. There was more of a story in this match mm-hmm. because of what they'd done previously. And, you know... The fact that it was a two out of three falls match, the fact that it did go almost 50 minutes, you know, there's no way that it could be anything else, in my opinion. Especially mm, not in New absolutely. Um No. And then, rather bizarrely, the Technique Award went to Tetsuya Naito, who I think yeah. we can both agree has had, you know, you said Omega. A so-so so, year. Yeah, exactly, a so-so year. Um, what do you think of that? Um, I don't know. I don't. Did Tokyo Sports ever name Gaijin's 
because if so, Zack Sabre Jr. deserved technique on every single level. But like even on like the Japanese level, Kota Ibushi, Marafuji, and Noah, just so many people have better technique than Naito. Naito was more of a charismatic figure than he is a great worker. So I don't know how. I don't know how that's got through. I have no clue. I think they just wanted to include Naito. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Very, very strange. I don't agree with it at all. Um, I just, um, it seemed like an out of nowhere pick, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, but we'll move on from that because, like I say, that is relatively old news. What I wanted to talk to you about now is we had New Japan's last matches of 2018 with yes, the road to the Tokyo Dome shows. Now, um, there was some very interesting matches, very interesting matches. Um, you know, Os- uh, Osprey versus, sorry, Osprey, Makabe, Yano, and Tanahashi taking on Omega, Ibushi, Takahashi, and Chase Owens in the main event of night one. With, I haven't seen this. With Osprey going over Chase Owens with the Stormbreaker, so they continue to book Osprey strong. It's very strong. Which is yeah. good. Um, Akada went over Gado, which you would of expect. Course. <laughs> Imagine um, if Gator went over. Oh, That's a Vince Russo move. Um, the team of Ishimori, the Gorillas of Destiny, and Bad Luck Farley went over the LIJ team of Naito, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi, with Bushi taking the pin. Um, and then just a you know a smattering of undercard matches, which, to be honest, is really topped by Shingo's first match, where he beat Shota Umino in just under 11 minutes with a last of the dragon. That was put into into the into the rear view, let's say, because that was then topped by night two. And night two, the only real thing that I want to talk to you about now, Chris, is that main event. That yeah. main event. Now I when I text you today and basically shot my load um all over It was quite uncomfortable. It was. It was a bit uncomfortable, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but you know, I said this match is outstanding. You need to watch it, and I, you know, you were a bit. Is it? Is it that good? I made you watch it. What do you think? Yeah, well, I watched it. Um, literally about ten minutes before we started recording here. And fuck. Um, it's not tag. It's not tag match of the year, like he he led me to believe. But it is an outstanding tag match that you should absolutely go out your way to see. This is definitely top five tag matches of the year. I would argue that this is a five star match, and considering I this is on a road to show, and considering I said to you on the last New Japan podcast that. I wasn't feeling, you know, I knew Omega and I know Omega and Tanahashi when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom 13 are going to put on an absolutely outstanding match. There's there's just no getting around that. They will. They are fantastic workers. But I wasn't feeling the feud. And I am so, so pumped for that feud now just because of these two matches, especially this one. You know, giving it nearly 30 minutes and having these four men in the ring. Jesus Christ, this was stellar, stellar. This was absolutely amazing. My only problem was Tana didn't do a whole bunch. He sort of did his moves and let Ibushi, Omega, and Osprey sort of do their thing. So it, it sort of turned into a handicap match a lot of the times. So that's the only reason it's not five stars for me. It's 4.75 um, if I was rating it. But it's an absolutely... 
onto his feet with just that and we talked about before we went on air that fucking shot but osprey just realizes what's happened it's incredible and osprey just it's absolutely incredible and honestly if they're doing this on a road to show like in terms of because both abushi and once again abushi and osprey would be mvps if they're doing this in the world to show they're gonna ruin wrestle kingdom just by how good their opener is gonna be yeah because they are opening the show and anything that has to follow that is just i feel sorry for them i really do because these two and you know how you said that tanahashi not doing a lot brought it down for you a little bit Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion that they want to give Osprey as much time hanging with heavyweights as possible. Because don't forget, up until effectively the Power Struggle Tour, he was a junior. He was the junior, for Mm -hmm. me anyway. Um, So they need to give him legitimacy as a heavyweight. And I think the only way to do that really is to give him as much exposure as possible against the likes of Kota Ibushi, against Kenny Omega. And... To be honest, I mean, he had, you can, there is a noticeable difference in his physique. A noticeable mm-hmm. difference. He's definitely put on pounds. Um, but you, in this match, he never, ever seemed out of place. He didn't no skip point. a beat. No, not um, at all. It's sort of like how when, um, it's sort of opposite things here, but when Cedric Alexander went into the Cruiserweight Classic, he lost about 10 pounds in, two, in a month to make it to that. Um, but kept his muscle mass, whereas um, Osprey's managed to bulk up, but not sort of not lost his frame. He's not lost any athleticism along the way, which I think is great. He is the, he's the biggest move up to the heavyweight since Kenny. Yeah. And what did they do in Kenny? He they had him pin Nakamura. They had him turn on AJ Styles. They had him feud with Tanahashi. So I see exactly what you're saying here. Um, just in which I I understand the booking logic behind it. Just as a match a match as a match on on the whole, it brought that down just that tad, just making it not perfect. Like, not all four people working together, which is something I want for a tag match. Which is absolutely fair enough. And again, you know, star ratings are subjective. Which, Mm, absolutely, I think people need to realise. And speaking of subjective star ratings, I'm going to do my last piece of news here. And the last piece of news is regarding Dave Meltzer. Now, (laughs) On this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter, he was asked about his opinion on the Gorillas of Destiny and how, basically asking if he saw them as main eventers after their showing at World Tag League. This is his <coughs> quote. But Tamatonga and Tangaloa are just, I'm not even sure what it is because Tamatonga is actually really good, but what for whatever reason... I don't know if it's that people don't buy them as main eventers. That kept hitting me. It's like this match is going really, really long. And they're telling a nice story, but after what we've seen tonight, after Ibushi and Will Ospreay, these guys just, they aren't, they're just not main eventers. That was published in the newsletter today. And, well, sorry, on Friday. And I can't say I disagree with any of it. No. Um, When you said this was in the news, I hadn't seen it. And I, I did assume... It was going to be more scathing than that because that's just what we've been saying. It's what everyone's think, been saying. I think it's been it's what everyone's been saying. And Tamatonga is amazing. Tangaloa sort of is good for WWE standards, which you know he was Camacho. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's improved. A, I think he's improved massively. And then he was in a faction with Drew Galloway and D- Eli Drake and Impact. That was a bit weird. Um, oh, everything in Impact's weird, mate. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but it's weird. 
no follow-up. Anyway, oh. um, no, I, I, I agree 100% with Meltzer on this one. They just they don't have that air. Like, for example, going on to our review today, um, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. Carl Anderson struck me as someone who could credibly go for a title in just from that match alone. Yeah. Obviously, we're doing a retro review of Wrestle Kingdom 9 today, and this is yeah. far far past basically where i started watching new japan um yeah and you know we'll get into these... the context when we get into the review yeah but, but um... the tag match you know you're talking sorry you were talking about mm-hmm. um Carl anderson dot gallows i thought they together and i've heard loads of people slag off gallows and anderson i've heard mm. loads of people slag off their tenure as iwgp heavyweight champions uh, sorry iwgp heavyweight tag team champions and you know Fair enough, I can see Doc Gallows being more of a liability in the ring than he is anything else. But that match between those two and Goto and Shibata, I enjoyed so much more than the match between, say, Omega and Taguchi. Yeah, it was an absolute, it was a really good tag match, which we'll be getting into. So we'll just get into it, actually, because there's really not much else to say on the Grill is a Destiny, unless it's a G1 match, then I have a 10 minute rant. But. <laughs> So, Wrestle Kingdom 9, Rob. Basically, um, we're, we're going to incorporate more retro reviews. Like, I've been wanting to do, actually, for a long time in the Young Lion, but it's, it's very hard to just bring up a motivation when you're on your own. But I was really excited for Rob to see this, because this was my first ever New Japan show. I knew of some of the main players, of course, I knew of AJ Styles. I'd heard of Kenny Omega on a Talk at Jericho podcast that I was listening to while revising for exams, like, the summer before. Because um, Neville talked very highly of him as, as did Chris Jericho at the time and on all the Ring of Honor people obviously I knew and just one day just let me set the scene for you Rob oh please do I'm I'm a 17 year old boy right. um, aren't you 17 now no okay um, just finished Christmas just finished New Year had a good time as good as you can when you're not allowed to drink um, and I'm just I'm in my room. <laughs> Exams are a long way away. School doesn't start for another week and a half. Okay, dude, seriously. When you said set the scene, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just in my room wanting to watch some wrestling. And I, I was at the time I was up for trying anything new because WWE had disenfranchised me at some, this point. So I was looking for something new. And I had tried Triple Mania earlier that year. Uh, wow. uh, earlier the previous year. And nope. Nope. Uh, just nope. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not um so but then this came up and i saw um english commentary which you know was, was a great was a big thing i want that stopped me from getting into japanese wrestling was for lack of knowing the stories mm. and then found out it was jr um calling it another box ticked but i saw aj styles on the poster i'm like okay i'm in so sat there was captivated for the whole four hours the English version didn't have a New Japan Rumble, but we can forgive that. It actually started like halfway through um, the Young Bucks entrance. It was weird because GFW produced um, the, the Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-view. Yes, they did. Global Force Wrestling. Hence why we saw Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. And it's weird. And it's so weird. Actually, Jeff Jarrett tried to take um, credit for Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> He was oh, like, oh, we're so thankful for the Global Force fans for supporting our show in Tokyo. I'm like, that's not. 
your, it's not your show, Jeff, but no. <laughs> Those eight Global so, Force fans. But, but yeah, so the four, the four hours, um, I just, I was in awe throughout most of it. Just, I'd never seen wrestling like it. I, uh, and it did send me down the path of basically just watching New Japan for a long time. And it was beautiful. Now, for your context, you didn't know about it because you, you didn't watch it. No, I didn't at all. Um, but obviously, having watched it for the last 18 months, um, I've got a good grasp of you know a lot of the history because, as I've said before, New Japan do talk a lot about their history. And the commentary team, especially now, do a great job of filling you in on things that you miss out and things like that. Now, I didn't watch the English commentary. I watched it with the Japanese commentary. And it was something that I thought would put me off as well. But genuinely, the excitement of the Japanese commentary team really, really sold it oh, yeah. for me, especially in the last maybe three, four matches. Um, I will say now Honestly. that sorry, I will say now that there are there are two matches that I'd heard about anyway. Obviously, the mm. IC match between Nakamura and Kota Ibushi I'd heard about before. I'd never seen, but I'd heard you know glorious things about it. You know, a glowing indictment from yourself, for Absolutely. example. Um, and then the title match, one of three between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. Um, and I'll I'll say now that this this didn't disappoint. This was a really, Absolutely. really good show. There was some strange decisions and some strange matches, but overall, this is one of the best shows. You know, if I can sit for four hours and listen to a commentary team that I've got no idea what they are saying what at saying. all. Yeah. And I am sitting captivated by the storytelling in the ring because don't forget, I didn't know the stories going mm. into this match, you know, with the exception of the tag team match because obviously they just won the tag league. But mm. that is in itself as good a reason as any for, you know, for me to give this an amazing review. And I will say, um, if I did, if it wasn't because I don't keep up with Twitter all that much, um, I, that's the only reason I watch the English commentary was is to get like small context that I might have missed. Because um, if, if not, like I, I, I was with, through most of the G1 last year before we had English for every single show. I watched the Japanese commentary just fine, and I say, say just fine. But they are a really excitable couple of people. They are and. But I will say, in, for this show, the English commentary really helped. Matt Stryker, when he's not being fed false facts because Vince doesn't like him, is an amazing historian. And JR, while he didn't really know the stories, knew enough to the point where he he, he held, held his own against Stryker and added excitement because it's JR. And it was just amazing. But just, that being said, com- commentary out of the way into it and the first match was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship and we have Red Dragon not the Undisputed Era yet, um, the Young Bucks um, Forever Hooligans of Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero and the Time Splitters of Alex Shelley and Kushida. Now Rob, what did you think of this match? This was this was glorious chaos um, Yeah. When you've got when you've got a four way of tag teams, it's you know, it's so difficult to keep track of what everyone is doing and where everyone is, and especially when it's teams like the Young Bucks who are just so 
quick around the ring. They're so innovative with their moves. It's so difficult to keep keep track of what is going on. But I thought these teams had such great chemistry. They got such, you know, mm. you've got Red Dragon who, you know, they aren't your flippy shit. They are, you know, your typical tag team wrestling. They worked so mm. well as a team. And I absolutely adore Bobby Fish. I think it's incredible. You've got the Young Bucks who were amazing as they always are you know mm-hmm. and then i would love to see you know unfortunately we're not going to see much more well any more of it because unfortunately alex shelley's retired but i would love to see time splitters now i really really would. times time splitters um this may time splitters is why i, I like kashida for so long unfortunately his solo run sort of destroyed that for me yeah but here they were absolutely amazing and if like even um sort of if the one kind of weak link they weren't even that weak was forever hooligans of the communist cuban and the communist russian um and that they were good like rocky romero's foot at the elbow that's always an amazing spot and yeah. kozlov has a surprisingly good um dive outside he does and it surprised me because he doesn't look like he'd be able to do that at all no he looks like Vladimir Kozlov's slightly chubby cousin. And to be perfectly uh, honest, I didn't. I completely forgot that he was even in New Japan at any point. Mm-hmm. And at one point when they announced that Forever Hooligans, Rocky Romero, and I genuinely thought it was Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> I was like, really? Imagine him a, in a junior tag title pounds. match. I know, that's absolute. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> him trying to catch up with the young bucks. Although I have I have fantasy booked a tag team between with Rusev and Kozlov, and I will say it's amazing. But oh, uh, that's awful. <laughs> that just just the idea in itself makes me feel sick. <laughs> but it was but, it was a nice way to open the show. You know? It was absolutely best puts today's junior tag division to shame. Just and that's a current theme throughout this whole card. Each division is a well defined and b deep. I agree with you. On all counts, bar one. But we'll get into that later. What? Okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, this match was awesome. An easy out, 8 out of 10. Puts the current junior division to shame as far as I'm concerned. I just think there's more depth in the junior tag division than the than there is now. Because, you know, aside Absolutely. From, though, to be fair, now that we've got the introduction of Shingo, we have got more teams. Um, But even so, you know, aside from the three that are in the title match at Wrestle Kingdom 13, I can't really think of any others. No, because that's the thing. SmackDown has a lot of teams. Yeah, SmackDown do but have a lot of teams. Are the Colognes really going to be going one-on-one um, for with the bar for the tag titles? I would like to see that. I'm not going to lie. No, the I Colognes agree with you. Aren't I actually with you. That, they're, they're not that bad. <laughs> they're not. Um, this match, 8 out of 10. I love the fact that Red Dragon retra- retained. I love mm. watching them. I think Kyle O'Reilly is amazing, but I absolutely love Bobby Fish. So seeing them retain was, was yeah. good for me. Oh, um, quick, very quick. Um, how this went on? Young Bucks would go on to be in the junior tag match every year after this. Yeah, opening the show, I believe, every year as well. Yeah, with the exception of next year, um, Wrestle Kingdom Eleven, where it was Black Tiger versus Tiger Mask W, which is ACH versus Kota Ibushi. Which we don't count because it's two men dressed as tigers. <laughs> 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 Next you match, got to get into, you got to get into this sort of shit, Rob. Um, <laughs> it was a six-man tag between Tenzan, Tenzan, who can still move at this point, Kojima and Homna versus the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Farley, Yujiro Takahashi, and Jeff Jarrett. 
Now, when when I first watched this and Jeff Jarrett's theme hit, I fucking popped. Did you? Why? Because why? It's, it's, it's obviously a kill down match, Rob, and it's just funny. I mean, Karen Jarrett can fuck off for a start. I have never heard such shrill, irritating, just garbled shit from the side. No. As, and it was it was there all the time, the entire match, just this grating. Me, 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 me. It's like, shut <laughs> the fuck up, Karen. And it's weird, because um, managers in New Japan, and they mic'd them up really well here, like, for example, in the Kenny Omega match, you can hear Matt and Nick sort of um, telling Omega what the lay of the land is. And she's just going, ah! And she, yeah. you know how, remember Melina's gimmick when he, she was looking after Johnny Nitro where she just screamed? Her gimmick was screaming. That's genuinely what this was. I mean, don't get me wrong, I hate Amber Gallows, but at least she was quiet. <laughs> at least she didn't say that's anything. Bit, that's a bit strong. We'll get into, well, we'll yeah. get into that when you get to that. But um, no, this was fun. There's absolutely nothing worth talking about apart from I love the Bullet Club guitar. I think that's so fucking carny that it hurts. Yeah. Um, Jeff Jarrett would not stick around Bullet Club long after this. Which is good. And uh, in my head... He didn't get kicked out. Oh, he didn't get, yeah. You've ruined he that He didn't get kicked out. He just, sorry, he didn't get kicked out. He sort of just stopped. Which is good, because he should never be anywhere near the Bullet Club. He shouldn't be anywhere near this fucking show. But he was... He was the person... Was he the person that took the pin? Or was it Yujiro? I can't remember off the top of my head. But, it was Yujiro. You know... Yeah, because Yujiro got the guitar smashed over his head, didn't he? Yeah. After Karen Jarrett did something irritating. Like you say, nothing really to talk about. Cool-down match from the IWGP tag match. I, I had fun watching it, but 5 out of 10. I'm going to go 4, simply because Karen Jarrett just wound me up that much. Okay, so we had an 8-man tag between the Noah team of, of Marafuji and Bermani Don'Neal with Toriano, um, taking on the Suzuki Gun team of David Boy Smith, Lance Archer, Shelton Benjamin, and Izuka. And there's not much to talk about within the actual bulk of this match, but seeing the Noah guys is great. Marafuji is amazing. And the Mighty Don't Neal are wasted in NXT. What do you think, Rob? I agree with both of those. This is the first time that I've actually seen Marafuji wrestle, and um, unfortunately, he didn't do a lot. Um, no. I appreciated that at least this match had a story. Um, obviously with Yano and Izuka being uh, partners in GBH, but like I've, I've said many times, Izuka, in this in this incarnation, Izuka can fuck off because he is a thief of joy. He ruins everything he's in, and I hate him. I hate him with a passion. He's a lumbering tree of a twat, and I don't like watching him. Um, I think Izuka could play a very convincing Santa. I mean, What? <laughs> if you we turned need to make up, this, we need to make this very Christmassy. If you turned up to a Santa's grotto, and you'd got some weird muzzled Santa that looked like Izuka, you would kick the fuck off. What the fuck is this? To be fair, I learned Santa wasn't real at a very young age because at the school discos, we used to get my dad to dress as Santa. Oh my god, you're the son <laughs> of Santa! That's amazing. <laughs> Not only not... are you reggae Jesus, you are also <laughs> the son of Santa. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God, the amount of nicknames. It ruined my childhood, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get this sort of stuff for Garth. No, no, well, no. I imagine Garth would be a great Santa. 
he would be he would be a great Santa. Yeah, I can imagine so. Gaff. In Blackpool. I don't care that it's January. <laughs> You're playing Santa. Absolutely one hundred percent. Um this match this is a five go on. Five five up. Five out of ten. It's only five minutes. No, I'm giving it four because there's a cook and fuck off. Well, I lead this podcast, Rob, so it's a five in the books. Wow. Okay, so overruling. <laughs> I didn't realise this was a tyrannical uh, dictatorship, but okay. Well, only for, only for this because I just love Lance Arts. No. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the UWFI rule match. <laughs> fuck. The UWFI rules match between yep. Minoru Suzuki and Saka. I can't say it. Sakabara. Sakuraba. Sakuraba. Um, the thing that I found interesting about. Sorry, hiccups. The thing I found most interesting about this match was we had White Suzuki, which <laughs> I've never I seen. I know what you. I know what you mean, but when you say that, it just sounds like a white, like Kurt Angle or something. Just <laughs> Caucasian Suzuki. No, no, no. Um, we had dyed silver hair. We had white yeah. trunks, white boots. He looked really odd. It was and it was so weird. He um, only looks odd to you because you haven't seen him like this. He dressed like this for his match against the Cardo this year. Oh, did he? I missed that. For uh, one in the rain, which is actually no. fucking weird to watch. Yeah. Spe- speaking of re- weird to watch, I <laughs> I don't know. I I found this difficult to watch. This was weird, but the thing is. But this was meant to resemble a shoot fight. But problem was, it's very hard to work a shoot. And yeah, like a spe- punches you can get away with, as we saw later. But like grapples, it does just look like you're hugging. Yeah. And Zack Sabre Jr. is the best of this because he does what they do in MMA. He jostles just slightly for position. These guys didn't do that. But I think in, like unless you're Zack Sabre Jr. where you just have that in your bones. I think they did the best job they can possibly do at working a shoot fight. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was some good stuff like on the ramp and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and the ending was quite nice. The transition into the ending was nice. Um, and I appreciated the big embrace as well at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the story of Cal Gott student versus Billy Robinson student. Yeah, it was it was a nice it was a nice story going in, and there was that was what kept me sort of watching the match but there were times in this match where you know they were engaged as you put it in just in just endless hugging that it was it was getting boring and it it was the only point you know bar Isaac's match that I felt like I was almost reaching for my phone to you know scroll through my phone or something like that and you know I I wouldn't be doing it again for the rest of the show trust me but you know this (laughs) this was that point yeah, um, this is sort of the end of the filler matches. Believe me, this is very confusing for me. Uh, some, uh, the most real thing I'd ever seen was Brian Pillman pulling a gun. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn. Anyway, so, but no, this was... It was weird. And to be fair, with the hindsight, with like the amount of this kind of stuff I watch, it's the best you can possibly do with what they're trying to do. So yeah. I'm fine with it. And like, I, I think for what they're trying to do, it's 6, 7 out of 10. I'd I'd go six. I'd go six. I'll I'll, I'll agree on six because it wasn't. I don't. That being, with the exception of hugging up the ramp at some point, I don't remember much of it. Much of 
about this match and I have my notes in front of me. So Yeah, exactly. You know, I watched this match today. And that goes yeah. to show just how you know, how little really it, it sticks in the memory. When I did watch this in two bits and to be honest, I watched the first three, got to this match and like I'm just not mentally prepared and put it down. So Yeah. I think it was the right result, obviously with this being Sakuraba's sort of almost his farewell match. Um, yes. And it was it was a nice ending as well, which sort of put his upper mark for me. Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, on to an actual pretty fucking amazing match. You oh. have no idea how disappointed I am with Makabe nowadays. It's Toga Makabe versus Ishii for the never open weight title, which is this is the type of match the never open weight title was made for. This sort of high, this very hard hitting affair, which they've been doing over the fucking Rev Pro title for some reason. But <laughs> yeah, this is this was awesome. This is very reminiscent of Suzuki versus Ishii from this year. But with a few more slams, and also if Ishii was a six foot four, near three hundred pound gorilla. Yeah, this was this was brilliant. This was a start where the show really, really started to pick up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you say, I've been watching New Japan for eighteen months, and I'm sort of used now to Togi Makabe being filler, effectively. I mean, mm-hmm. he challenged for the Intercontinental Championship earlier this year, but that was really a, a filler match. Um, so to see him in a match where he can still go and he's in a match with one of my favourite wrestlers, you know, mm-hmm. Ishii. So this was amazing. Everything from the lariats to the forearms, the fact that Makabe was working the shoulder and then the ending, you know, even the King Kong knee drop was to the shoulder, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. was amazing. You know, everything linked together and everything that they did looked like it legitimately hurt. They sold well. The match was put together well. It was... It was. I thought that it would struggle following effectively what was, you know, an MMA match. I mm. thought they'd struggle having this sort of brutal match straight afterwards. But honestly, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. And I had no idea I was going to enjoy a Maccabe match. I know. That's sort of why I wanted you to look back. Because when you say a lot of these things, I wasn't... I'm just... I started watching just on the edge when all these legends like Nagata, Kojima, Tenzin, Makabe were just starting, um, hadn't quite fallen off the edge yet. Yeah. So this is why I'm really happy we're starting to look back because there is some amazing stuff. You can't, I don't like the legends being used as much as they do just because of how much it hurts them in the long run. But this was absolutely amazing. The fact that I wasn't annoyed at a Makabe winning a title just shows. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I found, was, I found myself amazing. popping. I found myself popping for Maccabe winning. Yeah. And as I've said, Ishii's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. So yeah. what the hell is that about? Yeah. So this is. I just can't put it into words. Eight out of ten. Just. No, I agree. Amazing Eight stuff. Eight out of ten. Anyway, so next up was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match between Kenny Omega. I'm going to go into how weird Kenny Omega was in a second, and Taguchi. Now, Kenny Omega was sort of like the same, but completely different. Right. Right, in the sense of, it's obviously Kenny Omega. He has a lot of the same moves. He still has the V-Trigger, although not using it as much. He still has the One Winged Angel as his finisher. But in terms of gimmick, so different. He's Brian Pillman essentially, mixed with Razor Ramon. Yeah, there was a noticeable change from the blonde locks and the green trunks mm. that we got before. But, yeah, by the way, what did you think of the chainsaw? I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. 
I mean, like, what the fuck is that? Seriously. Right. Here's the thing. I fucking loved it. And, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, they gave a kayfabe reason behind it. I'm in this commentary. He shaves his arm around three or four days before a match, so it's razor sharp. And What the fuck? It's... <laughs> but yeah, actually, that was actually the explanation given. Oh, Jesus and... Christ. <laughs> but no, apart from the chainsaw, this match was really good. Thing was, a Taguchi is not the best actual worker. Like he's a great character. He's a very magnetic character, but he isn't pulling. Like he had a so-so match with um, Devitt on Devitt's way out. So yeah, I just it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was it was good, but I don't know whether it's because I'm used to Kenny Omega now, and you know this whole best bout machine, and I'm used to kept you know Taguchi being effectively this comedy jobber. I mean, for God's sake, he's run out in the last four shows with bloody rugby helmet on. So you know to see him as junior heavyweight champion was quite jarring. Um, but the fact that you know the young bucks kept interfering, and I, I don't know, it was. I felt like I should have enjoyed it more than I did, and I felt like I was expecting more than I got. If that was, Here's, if that makes sense. Listen, what you're seeing now. Like, imagine if you watch Stone Cold transition from Ringmaster to Stone Cold. Okay, that's what I got with Omega. Like, I saw his transition from this to heavyweight to what he is now. Yeah. Whereas you're basically you had like Stone Cold, and then you're going back to look at the Ringmaster. That's basically what happened here. Fair enough. So I'm more forgiving because I saw the transition and I saw the good stuff he was doing at the time, just that now he's on a different level. Yeah, which is fine. And don't get me wrong, it's yeah. not me hating on Omega by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, um, absolutely It's just not. that, you know, I've never been a massive fan of Taguchi and to see him as champion, mm-hmm. you know, and effectively have Omega carry him. But even though, you know, mm-hmm. in all seriousness, that dive that Taguchi did was fairly impressive over the top rope because I've never yeah. seen Taguchi do that before. Um I just I felt like this was I don't know I've expected I I think I have been spoiled with you know the junior heavyweight title as it is now mm-hmm. um, and this you know when you said that all of the divisions are far more defined here with the than exception they were, of then, this with the exception of the junior heavyweight division which I His... think is better now that now than it was then this thing you saw because well, you came in at um, eleven didn't you. Um, yeah. You saw Hiromo, Hiromu's first big match. Yeah, with Kushida. Because like, if I'm given context of where both men ended up, Kenny Omega would go on to face Kushida next year, still the champion, lose it to Kushida, then move up to the heavyweight. Whereas Taguchi just went, just sort of slipped into his role while he sort of flirted with it in the Super Juniors and all that. He never really got a proper shot at the title and never had a at the very least never had a run after this so i mean looking at the looking at the crowd when kenny omega came in sydney's a guy and he he got a ridiculous pop well he's been around for ages remember at that point he'd be oh yeah absolutely but when you consider that taguchi is supposed to be the face in all of this there was there was literally nothing there was a smattering of polite applause if that mm-hmm. absolutely and again it's just i don't think with the what they had in terms of like star power at the time, they could have done much better because I understand of like Kushida and Alex Shelley are there, but they were seen as tag stars. Yeah. 
So with what we had, this is the best they could have done, really. And to be fair, the junior divisions would go on to be amazing throughout that year. Um, after Wrestle Kingdom 10, it would really have a renaissance with a lot of Ring of Honor guys coming in, some of the UK guys. And yeah, yeah. It, it got really good really fast. So we can forgive this. I'd give it a 7 out of 10 at the very least, though. Yeah, I'll For give it For the chainsaw seven. alone. Oh, Jesus, that chainsaw. Knocking it I, down to five. I, no, no, I'd, I'd give I it would... seven. Because even though I've, you know, it sounds like I've ragged on it, I'm I'm not ragging on it. It's just I didn't. Omega was always winning this match. There was there was yeah. no way Taguchi was walking out with this title. And especially towards the end, rather than going, oh, you know, he's kicked out just before three. I'm, I found mm. myself thinking, especially towards the end, just fucking be pinned, Taguchi. Come on. But the and, deal is... Um, you can get a better quality of match from this on most two or five live main events. So yeah, exactly. I just I wanted more for my junior tag match, and yeah. I think it was more to Gucci than it was Omega. But that chainsaw, mm. man, that fucking chainsaw. <laughs> can you imagine if I, I tried to do that to a carder now? You know what? I'd be <laughs> just as sort of a mockery thing. I'd be fine with it. Just you on your own popping for it. <laughs> just me on my own, eight o'clock in the morning, sipping my tea. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you should at least just pull it out in tag matches to mock young boys or something. Yeah, well, when are you gonna have a, when do you ever have Omega in the ring with young boys? Okay, the closest he ever gets to David when he's in the ring with David Finley. Yeah, fair enough then. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, anyway, on to something that was slightly disappointing, to something that went above and beyond. It was um, Shibata and Goto versus Gallows and Anderson. Now, you said earlier you don't like Amber Gallows. Tell me about that. Um, I didn't say I didn't like Amber Gallows. I said I found her... <sighs> right. You know, like, when you... Okay. You know when you drop a pencil on a desk and, yeah. like, there's no significant damage and you know nobody really gives a shit mm. that's how i feel about amber gallows <laughs> she's a pencil on she, her desk. she's that pencil mark on a desk that everyone ignores because she she doesn't offer anything i mean i assume that this was this was pre maria canalis am i right or is it post maria canalis well you mean this that this show. famous gif um yeah she was she, she'd be managing the kingdom at the time i'm not sure if that was before or after. Because this felt like Palman Maria Canellis kingdom sort of thing. I yeah, mean, for me, I... it would have been a mate. Like, the fact this match was outstanding. I, I, mm-hmm. I say outstanding, and I know it's bandied about far too much that word, but the reason I say it was outstanding is because I hear so many people rag on Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson as a tag team and their tenure as champions. And yes, I am seeing one match in isolation. But this match in isolation was fucking great. It was far better than I thought it was going to be because I think I came in with such low expectations and the fact that I've never seen a good Doc Gallows match. This was brilliant. This was really good. Everything felt smooth. Everything felt, you know, there was no pause. You know, Goto and Shibata seemed like proper baby faces. This is the first, you know, real time I've seen Goto where I haven't thought, oh, come on, man, fuck's sake. I actually believed in Goto. Hashtag believe in Goto. And, you know, what did Amber Gallows bring to it? She slapped someone once. So, Tamatonga could have done that. Yeah, very good point. My thing is with Amber Gallows, this was when um, this is when the Bullet Club were full into the sort of the 90s NWO thing. 
and I think I've, and I think just having the random girl at ringside was just part of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, because it is a very county thing. It's like, oh, it's the bullet. It sounds like some someone on a local indie in a fucking fairground in America would call herself. So it's not exactly a, an amazing gimmick. To be honest, I think she's basically just there to draw heat, which she does because you're angry about her. Then she's done her job. Then she's done yes. her job. Um, Shibata's kicks sound fucking atrocious. Absolutely. In this. How much horrible? How much you you'd only really seen two shit? No, was Shibata gone? No, he wasn't. So you've seen like two Shibata matches, really? Um, haven't you? His... You've seen his Akada one and and his Ishii one at Wrestle Kingdom Eleven. I've seen Wrestle Kingdom Eleven, and then was it Sakura Genesis where the the yeah. faithful headbutt beaten famous the infamous headbutt? Yeah. Oh god. I can, I can still hear that sometimes. If you're really quiet, you can have hear you, it. It's have you seen? Horrible. Have I shown you the remixes people have done out of the slaps in that match? Yes, you have. <laughs> They're fucking amazing. They are. Do you know what upsets me though? Like seriously, Shibata here. I'm not. I'm right I'm thinking it's his first championship. This. Um, I can't. I, I, I don't want to say that in confidence. Okay, I'm, I've got a feeling that it might have been his first championship. I can um, look up accomplishments while we talk about the match if okay. you want. Um, I I was invested in him as a babyface, and for me, there's absolutely no need for him to do what he did at Score Genesis. And I understand that he's strong style. I understand that that is his way of wrestling. But I mean, fake headbutts look fucking vicious if you get them right. There's mm-hmm. no need to headbutt someone to the point where you crack your own skull open and cause your brain to bleed. And it, he's such a wasted talent. He really is because, you know, every every person I speak to about New Japan or everything I read about New Japan, they say that Shibata was on the up and up. He and was. When he lost, when he lost to Kazuchika Okada, he just won the New Japan Cup. Mm-hmm. So the company were clearly high on him. And then to have your career cut so tragically short is awful. And the fact that he is, you know, walking and talking and alive, and there's even talk of him coming back, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And testament to just how hard that motherfucker is. But that it was so avoidable, this injury, it really does, just every time you see him wrestling, really just pluck a heartstring. Um, on very quickly, yeah, but I think this might have been from just this quick research. Don't hold us to it, but I think this might have been Shibata's first title, and definitely on the up and up for like um, in the 2016 G1, I want to say um, the one where Mega won. Um, 2016. Yeah, I remember him. His name being chucked about as a favorite. I was always thinking Omega was going to win anyway because he was just on a trajectory up and up and up and up, but. He he was always a favorite, if a, a dark horse favorite. I give you, but a favorite, and he's always be, he'd always be putting on stellar matches. And it is such a shame because have you have you seen his first match against Ishii? No, no, I haven't. Jesus, you sh- um, we I'll recommend it. It's a G one show, so I don't ever do it as a review, but I would rec I would recommend it highly. We'll look at it definitely. I think it's G one twenty. It would be twenty four. I'd, I'm not going to say that with confidence again, but yeah, this match was awesome. Um, this is Goto before his um, gimmick got tiring, and I've 
always been high in Doc Gallant and Carl Anderson just because in 2015 I was a Bullet Club mark. Uh, there you go. I, I've changed quite a fucking lot. <laughs> I will say uh, as well, Goto, ridiculously catchy theme tune. Yeah. It's just great. Uh, Sorry, what the fuck was that? that? Was, right, I'm, I'm not a singer. <laughs> I was awful. I was going for a still bad as good, and I think I might have succeeded. Um, <laughs> but no, it just sounds like an amazing anime protagonist theme tune. It does. Yeah, 100%. Please cut out my singing. Uh, Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. Anyway, what would you give this match? Seven? I'd give it seven. Um, yeah, seven. I think putting it as eight would be doing it it's, far too much of a... It's nine, it's nine minutes, so it can't. But it's very hard to get eight and nine minutes. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, next up was AJ Styles versus Tetsuya Naito. Now nowadays, this would be a dream match, but Naito hadn't quite gone tranquilo yet. So it was a very yeah, like there was no tranquilo, there was no destino. It was it was very strange, Tetsuya Naito. As a as some context behind this, so the year before Naito was slated for the main event of Wrestle Kingdom Eight. Yep. Um, before this, he had uh, before this this one, he has been in three Wrestle Kingdoms, losing all to to be fair, game competition to Okada. Yep. Um, Keiji Muto. Fair enough. And Jeff Hardy. Right. That last one's a bit odd, but okay. Yeah, there was, there was a TNA versus... There was a Wrestle Kingdom where it's basically TNA versus um, New Japan. But... Right, okay. But, and then but it fell down pretty fast. But, um, yeah, but when we went on to what we were talking about last week, actually, with Hit the Silence when he came out, he after the G1, the fans didn't get behind him. It was the Roman Reigns of his day. And actually, this is 2014. It was the Roman Reigns while Roman Reigns was happening. Um and it just died a death. Um, they got voted out of the main event of the Tokyo Dome with Tanahashi and Nakamura for the IC title taking its place. Wow. Yes, and after that, Na- um, Naito was sort of nowhere. He would come back. Um, later later this year, I think actually, um, with his tranquilo at- attitude and start. Punching upwards and to get eventually where he is today. Yeah, but as he is now, no, fuck off. I did. He was. He's so unrecognizable to what he is today. And to be honest, when I first saw this um, in 2015, he didn't, didn't. He did not register with me at all. To think that Naito was here, and then to, uh, you know, an absolute crowd favorite, which is what he is now. It's. Mm-hmm. It's quite weird that you know it's taken that long to get on that journey, but this this incarnation of Naito was unrecognizable, and you know he was doing the whole stereotypical babyface, you know, trying to get the crowd going, and you know every time he kicked out of a move, AJ Styles, he'd make a noise, you know, like that babyface pump up, and mm-hmm. it was it was just it was so strange, but yeah, do you know what? It was a he was a he worked well in this match, mm. absolutely, and not not taking anything away from his in-ring performance. It was just it was weird seeing this Tetsuya Naito to the Naito that we see usually. Like you know, his drop kick off the apron was really nice. His mm-hmm. 
All his drop kicks looked amazing, but AJ Styles was the MVP in this match. Absolutely when, incredible. When Bushi wrote bought New Japan, we have the same people who own like a bunch of anime. I think I believe it did card, um, card fight Vanguard. That's why you see so much um, card game advertisements all over New Japan rings. Yeah. Um, they wanted um, Naito and Okada to to basically be at the top of the company. But they wanted Okada as the heel and Naito as the babyface. Oh dear. I'm I'm not <laughs> from this performance I am not big into babyface Naito. I am not well we're not big into non tranquilo babyface Naito. No. But yeah, he just did not register and like the fact is he is so meh that we haven't even discussed AJ Styles who there was a lot of context going into this as well because um the at this time, Rob, believe it or not, the Styles Clash was in discussion to be banned in several promotions. I've heard about this. Is this to do he, with uh, Yoshitatsu? Broke, it's not just that. He broke two necks in one year. Oh, with, with one more scare. Good he, oh, he, um That disgusting. Um, so, Logic's drunk. Didn't break his neck, but sort of a tweak thing. It looks disgusting. If you want to know what it looks like and not have the any idea i'm not happy idea that it hurt them i'd watch that because roddy was fine he was wrestling a few weeks like later nothing bad happened so if you want to know what it looks like go watch that yeah but yeah yoshitatsu which happened with jeff Jarrett at ringside which was awkward um because he had to pretend he didn't see a man's neck get broken and still celebrate oh jesus it was quite it's quite uncomfortable and then I actually saw that by accident because I was just after this. I was just looking for as much AJ Styles as possible, and then yeah. found on YouTube for AJ Styles versus Yoshi Tatsu. I'm like, this is interesting. I liked Superstars last year, and then that neck break, and then also to Lionheart in PCW, which is sort of what spurred the debate, especially in the UK, because. Um, Lionheart was almost paralyzed. It wasn't like just a broken neck like what Yoshitatsu had. Lionheart was paralyzed for a short, for a short time. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, and but what this has done is taught people to take the fucking Star Clash. <laughs> um, unless you're James Ellsworth. But people know now not... Because it's a natural thing. Drew Galloway said it. It's an unnatural thing um, for a wrestler not to tuck the chin when taking yeah. a bump. So you have to sort of teach yourself not to. And I think it's why they don't use it so much in WWE nowadays. No, they re- they really push the phenomenal forearms as finishing move, which was a tra- was basically a transitional move in this match. Yeah, I know. That's what got me when he came to WWE. Because like, I watched a few rolls after he came to WWE just to see how it was handled. And to be fair, his first wee bit, he was handled well. He was in halfway decent feud with Jericho. But yeah. um, just... I, I found it weird because it was even a transition of moving the rumble. It was all weird, but no, it's, this is not quite PKJ styles. Um, we will, we are planning on watching. What is it? King of pro wrestling with him versus Okada. Uh, it was either that or invasion attack 2016. I can't remember. That would be it. Um, we're planning on watching that because that's just too much of a dream match to pass up. Yeah, it's going to be a bastard to find a New Japan world. Well, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> absolutely. How, by the way, how long did it take you to find this full show looking on New Japan world? Because I just went straight for a pirated version because I could not be asked. Um, it, it took me a while um, because <laughs> obviously there's no English commentary. But also, there's no all matches. It's all games. 
which mm-hmm. really confused me um, because it just it didn't look like the full thing. And eventually, I clicked on it by accident, and it was the entire thing, including the New Japan Rumble uh, and including a fifty-minute intermission. My um, my version, because again, I just went straight for a pirated version, didn't have the Rumble, and I didn't think we'd even be talking about it. Um, Nagata won. If you're interested, and there was no a couple cares. of people, and a couple Nobody of people cares. in their sixties turned up. Um, yes, very. But Tai Chi, but Tai Chi was in it. It was amazing. Tai Chi was in um, it. Tamatonga was in it. Um, Yoshihashi was in it. Takemichi Noka was in it. El Desperado. Uh, yes, um, Liger, <laughs> the great Kabuki, which is the best name ever. Oh, really uh, is. Right, we're getting and away Cap- from Styles versus Naito. Yes, we haven't even talked about the match yet. Jesus, uh, it was a pretty awesome match. Um, it was as get- no heat, though. Absolutely no heat. This was obviously fun together to get both men on the card. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the whole thing about the Styles clash—you know, the Styles clash has been t- teased throughout the match. Um, yeah, really worked over Naito's knee, which was amazing. He was locked in the calf crusher for what seemed like years. It was ages and ages and ages until eventually he got to the ropes. And eventually we got a second rope styles clash, which, after what you've just said, obviously everyone was like, oh, shit. No, yeah, around this time, just every time Styles went for a styles clash, it was now. It's sort of been taken away now because he, he's not working with people who don't take it all the time anymore. So Yeah, exactly. And Naito took it well. And obviously that was the pinfall. Styles was always going to win because he was the bigger name at this point, um, especially as there was no heat to the feud. Absolutely but none. A, a good match. A good match. Yeah. Um, I'd give it a, another seven, actually. I'd give it seven, yeah. I'd give it seven. Yeah. If it, if, to be honest, if this same match had heat behind it, it would be an eight. Yeah, absolutely. I just but think with, it was the lack of storyline going through. Yeah. If, again, if it put this, if AJ Styles ever comes back, this is a dream match. It's going to be one of those dream matches that people have forgot already happened. You yeah, know what it's like? Definitely. Have you ever went back and watched like an in your house pay per view from like 1997? Yes. Like yeah, we have cool. Rocky Maivia versus Hunter Hearst Hemsley, and <laughs> it's just it's weird because you should give a fuck, but it's very hard to. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, next up, oh my, oh wow, <laughs> oh my, this oh, is wow. one of my this is one of my favorite matches of all time, Rob. This is Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kota Ibushi. Now, not Kota Ibushi I had seen, not knowing it was Kota Ibushi because the video was called Wrestler Wrestles Blow Up Doll, but. <laughs> and also wrestle, and then that's how I first found out about Kenny Omega was wrestler wrestles nine year old girl. But by the way, I would go out your way to see Ross. Yeah, awesome. I've seen it. I've seen him wrestle a nine year old girl. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. Um, but no, it's so weird in the context of today seeing Nakamura have charisma. The man, just oh my god, you could how he wasn't like just a person you built a company around. I mean, I know he had reigns with the IWGP Heavyweight mm-hmm. Championship, but why he wasn't just given the belt for fucking ages, I've got no idea. Just solely on this match, he came out. His entrance is pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. And the talking about pops from the crowd, Jesus Christ, this was nuclear. This was unbelievable. I thought Kota Ibushi had had a decent, you know, a decent pop when he entered, but good God. You know, Nakamura was a superstar. He was a god, and 
Okay, going into this, I knew who Tanahashi was because he turned up in Ring of Honor. I knew who Okada was because he turned up in Ring of Honor. I had no clue who Shinsuke Nakamura was when I first watched this. And so this is my introduction to Shinsuke Nakamura. And he just instantly became a favorite. And Matt Stryker said the same thing. He's like, I'm not meant to be biased, but I can't hold it in for this match. Shinsuke Nakamura is the best wrestler currently on Earth. And he was. And... Okay, so this is why I got so annoyed. Because, again, you won't have seen a million things from Shinsuke in New Japan. You mostly have his NXT and WWE run for context. I have this match and his match against Styles the following year. Yeah, okay. So when when um, Kevin Kelly says that Hiroki Goto did for the Never Openweight title what Nakamura did for the Intercontinental title. <laughs> yeah, right, okay, yeah. This is why again... Nakamura, as the Intercontinental Champion, headlined Wrestle Kingdom. Nakamura, as the Intercontinental Champion, stole the show at Wrestle Kingdom many years in a row. Shinsuke Nakamura, as the Intercontinental Champion, got me more invested in New Japan Pro Wrestling as Okada and Tanahashi did as the IWGP Champion. The man made a title mean something. I see Mm. what you mean. My and even, argument was that the title is associated with Goto, as opposed yeah, to I un- no, him I understand making your, the title. I, I absolutely understand your argument, but with as far as Kevin Kelly is concerned, he should not be making black lane. That's where you that's where you draw the line. Fair enough. No, I I agree wholeheartedly with this because in this match, it was like I was watching the main event. It is. <laughs> it it's. In my heart, it's probably my favorite match ever. The like, story like, going into it is just so basic. No, but it's thing is, awesome. But that's what you don't need. Comp- and New Japan was never one for complicated stories. And just, I don't know, just the unbelievable charisma Nakamura had. He's had amazing matches with Bad Luck Farley. And this is why I hate Nakamura now. Because this is him trying. This isn't yeah. even him trying in hard, trying hard. This is just him trying. He is not trying on the main roster, is he? No, not at all. Not at all. But he's not. He's not being booked. You know, he's a champion, but he's never on the show. And, okay, but here's the thing. He, he from I didn't realize he wasn't trying until his from Royal Rumble to Money in the Bank that run with Styles. You can't tell me at WrestleMania before all the bollocks happened that Nakamura and Styles could not have an amazing match in 20 minutes. Because this match, one of my favorite matches of all time, went the same amount of time as Styles versus Nakamura at WrestleMania. And they couldn't even have a great match, let alone an amazing match. Okay. My one big thing about that is that Nakamura has had to be diluted. Now, I'm not saying his character has had to be diluted. I'm not saying his charisma has had to be diluted. I'm not even saying that his effort has had to be diluted. What I'm saying is his style of wrestling has had to be diluted. And if you look at this match, you know, the Bumaye to the back of the head of Ibushi. Legitimately, I thought that had taken his fucking head off. Yeah, You know, you're not going to get away with that in WWE. And a lot of what, you know, Nakamura's entire gimmick, for God's sake, was king of strong style. He had it on but his look entrance at his video. NXT run. Look at, yeah, but look at his NXT run. Look at 
the the Bombiers he did on Sammy Zane, the Bombiers he did on Aries, the Bombiers he did on Bala. Samoa Joe. The, on Samoa Joe, yeah. He can do great things without having to work super stiff. He is choosing not to. Or he's been told not to. No, here's a thing. Fi- thing Meltzer um, and other sources have said he's went to WWE because he doesn't have to try his hat yeah I've I've heard similar reports and you know you got to remember Nakamura is is he 40 he is up, he is getting up there and you know but part my of the point reason is, I, I heard that he left as well coupled with what you said was that he wanted to work a less grueling schedule and he wanted to basically take not a step back but effectively take a step because he was new japan Mm -hmm. and you know just from just from this match you you saw that you know you said a god and yeah he was Mm -hmm. he was a god you know it wasn't quite austin in the attitude era but you know it's that sort of thing different crowds like it's that sort of pop it's that sort of idolization it's it's a it's a definitely a world warrior pop yeah, and he, do, you know, you can't have Nakamura, who at this point would have been, well, when he left in, you know, after Wrestle Kingdom 10, he would have been, I don't know, maybe 38, 39. He can't mm-hmm. work that style and that pace for much longer without, you know, doing his body ridiculous damage. So I do understand to a certain want... extent him him taking a step back. But when you look at this match and look at what he was capable of, and mm-hmm. yeah, you can say Ibushi is an absolutely fantastic opponent to have yeah absolutely but he was wrestling AJ Styles at Wrestlemania you know mm-hmm. arguably the biggest show ever so I'm, I I will say he, I don't I'm not saying he needs to work as well as he did in New Japan because I would not expect that with any AJ Styles doesn't work as well as he did in New Japan no he doesn't. and I don't get an end for that but AJ Styles still finds ways to make his matches captivating James Lee Nakamura on the other hand is being cookie cutter yeah, I no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And AJ Styles carries half the WWE roster. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust Nakamura to do that. No, Here's, let me put it this way: Nakamura had a match with Seth Rollins at Survivor Series. Seth Rollins has had great matches with anyone who's been put in front of him. He had an amazing match with Elias, who, while his gimmick is great, is not the best worker. Nakamura, on the other hand. He couldn't pull a good match out of him because Nakamura just wanted to do all his normal spots, which is fine at a fucking house show, but not on a pay per view. I just wanted to, I just want him to try. Like, and not, it's not even that I don't, I want him, again, I don't want him to work this hard all the time. I want him to try because he's just not, he's going through the motions. No, I agree. I agree. But, but anyway, enough of that. Yeah, this match, we went off on a one of my favorites of all time, just everything this. I love um, Coach Ribushi getting cocky. I love um, the sort of outsider perspective they give him. It is sort of like Jim Cornette taking on Coach Ribushi uh, <laughs> in terms of the, in terms of the. This is how they should have done Omega and Tanahashi this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But this is the Omega and Tanahashi story done right, and and it's not just that. Just everything we do, but de- a deadlift German on someone as big at the time as Nakamura, because Nakamura's thinned down quite a lot. He's a skinny prick now, yeah. but like he was built here, and just everything was stiff. Everything made you wince. Nothing, no wasted mo- momentum. One of the best Golden Star um, moonsaults of all time. Yeah, just 
I don't have a bad thing to say. It's a perfect match. It's it's damn near perfect. I agree with you. Um, you know, I appreciated the story with Nakamura not treating Ibushi as a threat to start off with, and then the tables turning and Ibushi getting cocky using Nakamura's moves against him. That Bumaye he hit Nakamura with, with Nakamura mm-hmm. kicking out in anger oh, at one. one, which you know was was great. The storytelling in this match was amazing, and the fact that Nakamura went from not treating Ibushi as a threat to literally having to throw absolutely fucking everything at him to win, mm-hmm. you know, was just, it It made it such a special match. And, you know, yes, Ibushi is a great worker. Yes, Nakamura is the most charismatic motherfucker you're ever going to see in this in this incarnation. But this match, I would, I'd implore any wrestling fan that has not seen this match before to actively seek it out. Because this is what simple storytelling can look like. And this wasn't, you know, a ridiculously flippy match. This wasn't a match where there was no. ludicrous high spots. This wasn't Jeff Hardy jumping off a 40-foot ladder, you know, through 18 tables that were on fire. This is this is simple wrestling. Nakamura's not going to be doing ridiculous shit. But this was an outstanding match. An outstanding I'm gonna, match. I'm going to request for our next retro review, which would probably be like the one after Wrestle Kingdom. Um, actually, no, because that'd be New Year's Dash. Like the one after the rest, Jurassic Kingdom break, that we do one where Nakamura's headlining. Yeah, that's fine by me. Fine by me. I, the more I get Great, to see cause... Nakamura in this incarnation, the happier I am. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, an, I'm so sad you missed out on so much good, Na- on good Nakamura. Basically, it's like it's probably how you feel about me and Kane. Uh... <laughs> I don't think we can compare Nakamura, prime time Nakamura, to uh, to Kane. Very, very different propositions, but I, I understand what you mean. You grew up with corporate Kane, whereas, you know, I grew I didn't up with grow Kane. up with corporate Kane. <laughs> I, I, I grew up with, uh, I grew up with Kane and Big Show Kane. Oh God, that's even worse. How's that even worse? That's that's just worse. Trust me. You know, you needed to see Kane ripping off the door of Hell in a Cell. Anyway, this match. I, I mean, I've seen it, but I don't remember. It. Yeah, no, ten out of ten. This match, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd go 10 out of 10. I'd go 10 out of 10. I, there was no fault with this match whatsoever for me. Just just the charisma of, and, mm. you know, not taking anything away from Kota Ibushi, who I think <clears throat> continues it speaks to, to how It speaks to how good Kota Ibushi, um, Shinsuke Nakamura is, but we haven't talked about Kota Ibushi, who is currently one of the best things about the current New Japan product. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, Anyway, onto the last match of the evening, our main event. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Kazuchika Okada. Now, do you know the story of how um, Nakamura, not Naka, Tanahashi and Okada first collided? Um, I believe so, but a little bit of a recap isn't going to hurt. Right, so it's Wrestle Kingdom 6. Okada is back from excursion. He, is, he looks like he's still a young boy his gear doesn't fit him properly his rainmaker is weak it's have you it's like he falls down it's like a rainmaker side effect type thing oh god um yeah he he takes a bigger bump in his opponent and he and he beats yoshihashi in a shite match which i can't even blame on yoshihashi but thing is that was deliberate because then okada came out looking like a young boy Challenging Tanahashi after Tanahashi beats Suzuki. 
and Tanahashi is trying to be nice to him, going, okay, so look, these things are earned. But I tell you what, I admire your guts. At the next thing, we'll give you, I'll give you a title shot. So I believe it's Invasion Attack. It's for one in February. What's now known as Secure Genesis. And it's um, Tanahashi versus Akada. Now, Akada was obviously laying low because suddenly he was a beast and he dominated Tanahashi, who at this time was unstoppable. Which then at the next big show, where we met again, Tanahashi found Akada's weakness, uses his experience, keeps targeting the knee, and eventually gets the win. And then and then this keeps going on until now. They have... Okada gets it back post G1 because he beats him in the G1 or draws. It's one of the two. I can't quite remember. And then goes into Wrestle Kingdom, but still has Tanahashi headlining above him, despite him being the champion. So now the next two Wrestle Kingdoms after Wrestle Kingdom 8 is Okada trying to prove himself as ace. Right. Okay. That was that was more or less what I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. Just also a recap for people <laughs> listening. Um, if they don't. No, I, I think everyone knows at this point, but it's always nice to have a recap. But yeah, this match <clears throat> is a match wrestled by two people who have wrestled a lot over the past two years. Yeah. Three years, even. Do you know what, though? This match, for me, everything from the video package that we were greeted with to the you know, the close calls to the the very, very, very simple story. I know I keep harkening back to storytelling, but it's a massive thing that I look for in matches um, to, you know, just everything about this match to the fact that once Tanahashi had won, we saw Okada in the ring with his head in his hands crying. Yeah. He, he has failed. He does not crying. know if he'll get his chance again. I mean, for me, I know I'm jumping the gun slightly. Yeah. This match for me... I was more invested in than the Nakamura Ibushi match. Now the Nakamura Ibushi match, I gave ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. You know, it maybe I, I was thinking if we did halves, I'd have given it nine and a half. Mm. This match would have been nine, but that ending and that image of Okada, literally with his head in his hands, just inconsolable. That made it ten for me. It is for. It's thing, but storytelling, yeah, I'll give you is much better. But I think the reason you also feel more invested in it is because this is a story that still happens today. This is a story we've had three times this year. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> thing. But, but like Sean and Brett, they can't have a bad match together. No. It's not it's not as toxic as that, but it's like that. Or like Danny Bryan CM Punk or um Omega Ricada, actually. They just can't have a less than stellar match with each other and it's just I, I I don't like it as much as Ibushi and Nakamura but that's mostly down to my love of both I love both of them more than I like um, Akada and Tanahashi yeah. but this was great and both men looked amazing and what I loved they tried to repeat spots during the match and it failed I that's my pet peeve when people just repeat spots that we've done in the same match yeah. Like, for example, going outside Okada's big boot over the railing. Managed at the beginning of a match. Um, near, the, near the end of a match, he goes for it again, and it backfires. It takes two high-fly flows to put away um, Okada. And it's just a, an amazing back and forth. My, the only reason I don't give this 10, I give this 9. 
um, for for the record, I would argue for a nine. It's because I've seen so many Okada versus Tanahashi matches. Yeah. Like at the time, this would have been an easy ten for me, but in retrospect, I've seen so many of this match, and even this year, um, every match after this that they've had has been better than this, in my opinion. So yeah, in retrospect, this loses out not because it's a bad match, but because what we've done after has been so much better. Yeah, I think in isolation for me, and again, <clears throat> I don't have the you know the the story knowledge that you have and i don't have that um sort of advantage but in isolation this match to see someone go into this match with so much promise and to literally fall at the last hurdle mm-hmm. and to then the story be so to envelop you completely as you're watching it and to see this man literally burst into tears because that i guarantee is shoot we have never seen Okada this vulnerable. And in, but at the very least, because you, you have never been watching New Japan while he's not been champion. I, the, cha- I, it's, it was a long road for him to be as, this dominating figure that we see him as today. Yeah, and to lose again when he thought he got, you know, the win over him, and to lose it at that last minute, and you you feel you feel yeah. Okada's pain, you feel Okada's frustration, you feel his just this almost shock that he had. And I think as well, the crowd almost anticipated Okada winning. Mm-hmm. And that Tanahashi rota- uh, retained sort of helped them like empathise with Okada as mm. well and made it that moment so much more real. I don't know why we didn't repeat something like this when Naito lost. I, there's a lot of parallels between this and the Wrestle Kingdom 12 main event. Yeah, for me. Um, can I just say that my favorite spot, Tanahashi doing the high five flow over the top of the uh, guardrail. Oh man, just you don't expect that from Tanahashi, just because just from what he normally does, he isn't an Ibushi, he isn't an Omega. You don't expect him to be doing shit like that. And so when he does does it, do it, it's much more impactful. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, again, I've seen limited Tanahashi, and the Tanahashi that I have seen is Tanahashi winding down at the end of his career. Um, mm-hmm. and then producing an absolutely stellar G1 and is now challenging for the title again. So, <laughs> But, you know, up to that. Um, so to see this and to see two men again, not flippy wrestling, not, you know, nothing ridiculously over the top. It's just great storytelling. And, you know, I know I sang you all a lovely song, A Tale As Old As Time, but it's mm-hmm. literally a man trying to get one over his master and not being able to do it. And it's a great story absolutely and to, for context of where this story went because it's sort of ended in terms of in its co- in this incarnation next year at Wrestling Kingdom 10 but, uh, not long after this Styles beats Tanahashi for the title holds it for a long way and then I believe Dominion um, Okada beats Styles and then Jack, almost in a reverse Tanahashi has to win the G1 two-faced Okada to get the title and then they had what is their best match at Wrestle Kingdom 10. And uh, but, so we're waiting the extra year for Okada to get the one over Tanahashi. So it worked so well. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, moving on moving on from this show, I mean, this show was, was stellar, and thank you for making mm. us do this. Um, <clears throat> do you think, that this storyline would have worked 
for Naito if Naito had headlined Wrestle Kingdom 13? I don't know. I, do, I, I don't think it would have. Um, Naito's character is very different from Okada because Okada sort of turned from like the cocky kid who's not, who suddenly is realizing, right, I do need to earn all, everything I'm guessing because otherwise I'm not going to be able to do it. Whereas Naito, he was the guy with his chip. He he had, he came in with a chip on his shoulder because of he ha- he just hated Tanahashi. Like he doesn't. Naito sort of exists outside of the belt in that respect. He's one of those people who only wants the belt to get more money. Because you've seen what he's like when he's when he has a belt, with, especially when he has the IC belt, just destroying it. Yeah. And you've also seen um, like Naito will have a goal in mind. Like for example, um, Wrestle Kingdom Eleven. Um, there was um, Tanahashi was campaigning. Um, I think this was in kayfabe, but it may have also been in shoot. I can't. I don't have the details in front of me. Um, for another fan vote, because in a fan vote, Tanahashi versus Naito, two established stars, would beat out Akada versus Omega, because Omega hadn't been proven. And so they would tell the story of Tanahashi being desperate, but then Naito. Uh, Naito, who would have to agree for it to happen, said no because keep, keeping Tanahashi out of the spotlight was more important than him being in the spotlight. So it's not—he's not really that kind of guy. And also, Tanahashi and Okada on two different uh, from two different generations was Okada and Naito from the same generation, and believe they have the first singles match against each other. So it wouldn't have worked in the same way. I think taking elements from this. Yes, but then at the same time, we wouldn't have the rise of Kenny Omega. We wouldn't have had this stellar year that we've had. So it's really hard to gauge. But overall, I don't think the same story can be applied to Nio, in well, at least with Okada. Fair enough. Just wanted to get. Just wanted to check. Yeah. So that's been <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom Nine. It's still my favorite Wrestle Kingdom. Just oh my god. Um. I just can't put into words how much I love it. It's an it is a mixture of both sheer quality. Nothing on here really. Nothing on here was bad, and anything that was sort of pointless was gone. It was basically anything that was just there to pop the live crowd, like um, the Noah guys or Jeff Jarrett, was done in five minutes. Yeah. So nothing got in the way, and it was an obvious cooldown match because, be honest, if Minoru Suzuki and Sak- Sakuraba had went on right after that um, junior tag t- title match, it would have just died a death. Yeah, and then the crowd, cared. the crowd would have been gone. So the buffer matches served their purpose. This is still my favorite Wrestle Kingdom, still my favorite um, New Japan event to this day. It's just everything on it was good. Nothing was bad. Bad, and I know you said this about Dominion, but more stuff felt pointless in Dominion than it did on here. So, for me, it's an amazing show. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing more retro New Japan with you, Chris. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I'm gonna try and take us back before when I started watching, so I can get a bit more of an education, um, so we can both be as clueless as each other. But <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I've been Chris Abime of Young Lion Podcast. You can find me over at the Young Lion CXT. Where can we find you, Rob? Uh, at Real Rob Goodwin. You can find Podmania at where the dude tells you at the beginning. He, he has a cooler voice than me. I don't know why he doesn't host this podcast. I have been Chris <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> Goodbye.